All right, guys, welcome back to the A Few Good Puns podcast. It is 6.30 on the east coast of Australia. I am joined once again by Stuart Thompson. Missing in action last week, Stuart, but you're back. Back with a vengeance. It's great to be back. It was uh, pretty tough for me to listen to the pod last week. I caught it on the plane up to Brisbane. It was a great, great listen, but sad not to be involved. Um, I've had a couple of weeks off now, so come coming back nice and refreshed. What were your thoughts on the debut of uh, TJ Hawk? Oh, Excellent, I thought. Good good to have some international flavour to the pod. Yeah, um, true. I think for someone that hasn't watched a game of footy in three years, I thought he did pretty well. He did. He sufficiently, uh, he, he tried the reverse jinx, which I like. Um, <laughs> didn't quite work. Didn't quite work for the poor old Knights. Um, no, no, it did not. Um, that, that was going to be my other comment coming back on the pod. It's um, one team in particular is making it harder and harder to become enthused about reviewing the week's NRL Hopefully they can turn it around. Well, let's jump straight into that. I, I don't want to waste too much time because we've got a we've got a big episode planned today. We've got a, we're going to do our team of the quarter mark of the season. So Stu and I are going to go through all the positions and name who we think were the best or are the best players so far in the competition. But first off, we might just do a quick hero and villain of the week for last week. I'll let I'll let you take the floor, Stu. Who was your hero for last weekend? My hero was uh, a guy who, up until this week, I didn't rate possibly as highly as some of the other boys that I've spoken to. Um, that might have been off the back of his performance against the Knights, but it was uh, Jackson Hastings. What a what a ripper game from him to get the Tigers on the board for the season. They needed it. He touched the ball something like 90 times, I was reading. It's the most by a player in the competition this season. He was insane. And uh, to cap it off with the winning field goal, obviously, is what dreams are made of. Um Tigers definitely needed that that victory and pretty shocking loss from the Eels, to be honest. Yeah, this was the classic Eels of old, just having that howler that we just always were sort of cautious that they still had in their system. I'm I'm interested to see. I, I don't know if I, we can buy too much into the Tigers. Like I thought they were actually pretty good on Monday. I don't know if this Hastings at seven, Brooks at six is going to be something that's going to bring them a lot of success, but I'm more than, I'm open-minded to it. I'm excited to see sort of how they go against South Sydney this weekend. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. It was interesting to see that swap. You, you mentioned it on the pod last week. I actually put that in the notes about Brooks going to the six and Hastings taking over the seven role and how it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, it seemed to work, work last week. I don't, I don't know whether there's really much of a difference in their roles, um, taking different numbers. Um, it was interesting to see Hastings actually coming to Luke Brooks' defence after the game as well in the post-match, uh, post-match interview. Did you see that? Yeah, big time. He, he sort of told everyone to sort of shut up a bit. It's interesting. I was listening to the Matty Johns podcast uh, through the week and he had Cooper Cronk on there and they were talking about what difference it actually would make to Luke Brooks having Hastings play as a seven because... Oftentimes we talk about it's just a number on your back. It doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. But if you watch that game, just Hastings being at first receiver, it just gave Luke Brooks more time. And I don't think he was as rushed in his decision-making. And I thought it, it led to probably the best version of Luke Brooks we've probably seen for well, at least this a, season. I think he had a couple of tries didn't he? He had two tries. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see if that just does take a little bit of the pressure off him going forward. And they, they didn't chew themselves in the foot for once, the Tigers, so it was good to see. And it's good for uh, the I mean, it looks like they were trying at the end of the game, <laughs> although I think both teams were trying to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. Um, we'll move along, though. Who have you got as, uh, as your hero this week? 
Well, it pains me to say it because he just produced an absolute masterclass against my team, but Cameron Munster has to be mm. my hero of the week. I think this guy is about to become the highest, play, highest paid player in the game, and I think it's with pretty good reason. He was just unstoppable. He was uh, incredible. Two, he was, two individual tries or two, two, two tries. tries off the back of individual brilliance at least. Yeah. He, he, we, we sat, that's the famous phrase we use on here. He just had spiders all over him. No one could tackle him. Poor old Nico Hines. Poor old Cam McInnes. They just the, Cam McInnes the Cam McInnes uh, attempted tackle is still hilarious to this day. Um, but he's images just, of him full stretch diving, trying to uh, grab onto the back. Oh, he was nowhere near it either. But look, God, God bless him. He was playing out on the edge because Nakora was out with COVID. And McInnes, I think we just sort of found out he doesn't quite have the speed to defend in those open areas. He's more... A, more of a middle. But uh, I think the big takeaway is as an opposition fan, when you're coming up against Cameron Munster, that be albeit that could be when he's playing for the Storm or for Queensland, it's just terrifying. You just he's always dangerous. He's always a chance to do anything from any position on the field. Yeah, definitely. I I mean I, I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself here or if anyone else has had similar thoughts. I feel like he's been a little bit he's felt a little bit quiet to start the season, but it does serve as a reminder that it doesn't take much, particularly in the big games, and he'll just stand up and make his presence shown and be the difference, really. Well, I think he, you're, you're half right there because I think his two best games have come in the two biggest games this season, which has been against Cronulla and against Melbourne. Now, obviously, they didn't win against... Oh, sorry, against Melbourne, against uh, Parramatta in Melbourne. Obviously, they didn't win that game, but he was still outstanding that day. I, I remember that kick across... I think the kick across field for Nick Meany from halfway, just an absolute joke of a play that he pulled off. Uh, I it's starting to get interesting whether he's going to go to Redcliffe or not now that we've heard the Cannon Ponga news from yesterday. Is he not coming to the Knights? Uh, <laughs> am I getting my hopes up for nothing? That would be huge. I I don't know if this town could handle Kalen Ponga and Cameron Munster in it at the same time, but I'd, I'd <laughs> love to see it. Imagine. Um, that, actually, that actually segues pretty well into my villain of the week, um, and that is Kalen Ponga's dad. Um <laughs> What an absolute shitstorm of media controversy and contract negotiations the last week has been for Kalen Ponga and the Knights. Um, obviously came out midway through the Knights game on the weekend that Ponga's contract had been pulled by the Knights. Um, obviously that's come out now that I don't know whether it was true, but it's, 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 he's obviously re-signed now. So um, apparently... Kalen Ponga's dad had a few apologies to make earlier in the week to try and patch things up and smooth things over with the Knights. So, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, been my pick villain for the week. NRL player agents, it's a, it's a really strange world. Like, you've, obviously, you've got Kalen Ponga's old boy heavily influencing what he's doing. But then you've also got Braith Anasta, who's a co-host of the basically flagship NRL show on Fox Sports, who is, is also Cameron Munster's agent. And there's just there's conflicts of interest everywhere. It's it's a bizarre bizarre world. Well, Kalen Ponga's dad's not even a, a registered agent. He's he's an unaccredited no. yeah, agent. That's right. So it's just a absolute. As someone who has to be involved in negotiations with contracts in my job, that's it's hard enough when you're dealing with people who do it all the time. Let alone when you're dealing with someone's dad uh, trying to get their best deal for their son. It, it's yeah, I can imagine that would have been an absolute nightmare. Totally, and then and then like with along with that, you've got Braith and Astor basically discussing Cameron Munster's value on a TV show 
mm. night after night while he's still in contract negotiations with all these clubs. It's yeah, it's it's bizarre. I uh, my villain of the week wasn't a particular player. I my, well, it was more directed at the uh, match review panel for the just ridiculous inconsistency on these hip drop ta- hip drop tackles. Uh, we saw the one with Nathan Cleary on, I believe it was Friday night. That was a pretty nasty looking one. But then we see that we saw the one with Cam, Cam McInnes on Ryan Pappenhausen. Yeah. I don't understand how he can not sort of tackle him the way he does there. That was. I don't think McInnes did anything wrong in that tackle. No, like he was just hanging um, on for dear life. I think for me, um, those two, I don't think either of them are really hip drop tackles by definition. Um, I'm not sure um, how you would classify them, but the those two one. tackles are on on different ends of the spectrum. No, I'm not. I'm not saying Cleary's tackle was heinous and terrible or anything like that. But in terms of intent and dangerousness, I think McGuinness has done absolutely nothing wrong. Whereas I think the Cleary tackle, you can see he sw- he he hooks his leg in underneath him, which is ultimately what causes the tackle to be dangerous. I think there's a bit more. Um, I think Cleary's definitely luckier to escape suspension there. Yeah, look, it definitely led to a lot of conspiracy theory chat in our uh, fantasy group chat, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I was mainly uh, trying to wind Dominic Waters up because <laughs> I'm versing him in fantasy this week and Cleary's his star player, so but, I would yeah, have loved for him to be suspended this week. It's Because it was Hayes Dunster last year, wasn't it, that got done in one of those and that shredded his ACL? Yeah, or was it uh, preseason, I think? Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. it was preseason. Um, from Tyrell Fuimano. Mm, for the, mm-hmm. um, and obviously he's, yeah, done his, all of his knee. And I think that Cleary tackle, it was on, uh, was it Billy Walters? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty lucky not to have done any injury, let alone a serious knee injury. Oh, for sure. Though. Yeah, it looked nasty. Again, I don't really think Cleary was going out to do that kind of thing. It could have just been, you know, these things happen so quick. It's more like a reflex action, but it's kind of interesting that he only got a fine and a bit of a slap on the wrist rather than anything more serious than that. I suppose... If he wasn't the NRL's pin-up boy, would it, <laughs> would it have been a little bit different? Well, I th- and I think if Billy Walters wasn't playing this weekend, if he actually got hurt from the tackle, it might have been different as well. Mm. Definitely. Before we go on to our uh, team of the season so far, I just want to point out um, in our tiers list that we did last season, last week sorry um we had a couple of interesting results from there so do we still consider Parramatta a heavyweight uh i think we do i think we do i think this was i think this was a known quantity a little bit with Parramatta. they're a bit prone to just not turning up one week i think the Um, key i think the key with them is it's not the teams around them that they don't turn up for it's the teams that they should be beating that they don't turn mm. up for I see, I see Parramatta not as a minor premiership contender, but I see them as a potential grand final winner. I think on their day, when they're turning up four games, um, when it comes to the finals, I think they'll be giving it a red-hot crack. I don't know that they have the consistency of the Storm or the Panthers to turn up every single week and, and get the result when they need to. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Well, I, uh, I might have to add in a drum roll here, but we'll, this is going to be the FGP team of the quarter mark of the season way way too early in the season to be <laughs> giving early. takes like this but that's what this we're here what, for. we love overreacting and we love getting into things far too early so um we'll go through position by position 
Uh, I think you've named a bench for your team. I haven't. I've sort of just gone 1 to 13, but I've thrown in a few honourable mentions as we go. Uh, get us started, Stu. Who's your fullback? My fullback is, we mentioned him just before uh, he copped one of those tackles over the weekend, Ryan Pappenhausen. I just couldn't go past him. I know who you've picked here, and I think um, your player is also very worthy. Oh, look, there's no uh, wrong answers here. But uh, Pappenhausen, eight tries, 79 points, both leading the league. Um, he's equal top of the Dalian point scorers. Um, and that's while having to contest with the likes of Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster, Harry Grant for Dalian points. I think that says a lot. 17 tackle bars, three try assists, a field goal, three line break assists. He's just, he's been pretty explosive and dynamic to start the season, I think. He's uh he's looking pretty likely for at the very least the number fourteen jersey for the Blues. Mm, particularly with particularly, I'm I'm not sure how does Tommy Turbo's injury line up with the Origin. They well, I was reading today that he's Schedule. back to doing running and training. So I okay. I think he'll be it'll be close, but I have a feeling that he'll he'll be ready for Origin. Mm. I guess the difference can, is, can you play can you play Pappenhausen in in a center type role? Probably not. Tedesco probably holds on to the one. Um, then you you'd have Tommy and is Latrell going? Latrell's probably going to be out, isn't Luttrell, he? I don't think Latrell makes it. I think he's still out for quite a while, and he's just had surgery on his knee as well. Mm. He he was carrying that knee injury before he did the hamstring. I think it's tricky. Like Tedesco is clearly not in his best form but he's been one of New South Wales' best for the last three to four years. So it's pretty hard to drop him. I do think Pappenhausen probably does sit on the bench in that 14 role. Just, I'm sure you can reshuffle with the way that New South Wales tend to pick their back line. They often have fullbacks playing in the centres and things, so there'll always be if an injury They've happens. They've just got an absolute abundance of fullbacks, don't they? Totally. It's been, it's it's been, it was weird sort of picking a player for... Um, like, like team of the season so far because I actually think out of all the talented fullbacks we've got in the game at the moment I actually don't think there's been that many that have really hit the ground running I think um, a lot of them have been quite underwhelming your yeah. Tommy Turbos your Latrell's he's obviously got injured but Pong has been hit and miss and, yeah, and players have missed games with injury which doesn't help like obviously we just mentioned Trebojevic Mitchell out injured Pong has missed time uh, so I've, I've gone with Dylan Edwards purely because I think he's just been so reliable uh, not only reliable though, he, he's leading the league in run meters. He's averaging two hundred and two run meters a game, which is just insane. Obviously, your run meters can be a little bit inflated from the fullback spot, but to go along with that, he's still he's third in post contact meters, which is a mm. real indicator of how much drive you're getting for your team. Uh, and another part of his game that I've really been impressed by is he's just not making many errors. He's under an error a game. I think he's made two errors all season in terms of handling the ball, and he's just been a key part of that Panthers team that's been basically the, setting the competition alight, even without a lot of key players through the early part of the season. Mm, yeah, I think he's been absolutely the most consistent fullback in the league. The only reason that I haven't gone for him, uh, gone for him, I've gone with Pappenhausen, obviously. I just think Pappenhausen's a bit more dominant offensively. You mentioned like you, you meet a gainers and, lack of errors and post-contact meters and stuff like that, all hugely important for a team like the Panthers. Um, and then Pappenhausen's on the other side, um, who's much more critical in your line breaks and setting up tries and being involved offensively. Um, I think they're both different fullbacks, but both very, very good for their respective teams who are both 
the top like who are, who were probably the top two teams in the league. I don't I don't think that's any surprise. The only thing that made me pick Edwards over Pappenhausen was I, I think the one the first thing I looked for was durability. I mm. thought Edwards is a little bit more durable. I, I agree. I think Pappenhausen has a higher ceiling than Edwards. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Uh, and I also thought some of Pappenhauser's stats were a little bit inflated by that Bulldogs game. Obviously, he still had to do it, again, and albeit he scored four tries and had an unbelievable game. But mm-hmm. against the Bulldogs, like I'm not sure how much does it really count. Yeah, like not, not, <laughs> I'm not trying to take it away from him, but that, that kind of did sway into things as well. I, I do have a stat here though, because one of my honourable mentions is uh, your favourite fullback that plays for my team. <laughs> so I literally had it for my one, two, three. I had Dylan Edwards. Ryan Pappenhausen, and I had him the number three spot for so far in the season, Will Kennedy. Um, in terms of total try involvements for the season so far, Ryan Pappenhausen's got 13, and then it's Will Kennedy. He's got 12 total try involvements. So that can be either throwing the pass that for a try assist, the try itself, or the pass before the pass for a try assist. So Will Kennedy uh, looking pretty good this season, and I just brought him into my fantasy team, so hopefully he starts racking up some points. I did notice that. He... As much as I don't rate Will Kennedy, I do, um, do in comparison, it's not that I don't rate him. I think he's you a just, great player, but I, me. I don't think he's as elite as you make him out to be. But to his credit, Sharks are looking very good with the ball, and he is involved in a lot of their plays. He's very critical to them and how they play in those long, sweeping passing plays. So he's literally, in terms of line break assists, he Will Kennedy has 14, the next highest player has six in terms of fullbacks. So he's... I mean, he's, does, does it really count as a line break assist when you can just palm the ball off the cup <laughs> to, to Talakai and just let him do his magic? Well, yeah. See for Talakai's <laughs> stats. I was looking that up today. They are outrageous. He, he is... It, we'll come to him in a little bit because not that I've picked him in uh, terms of my centers, but some of his his statistics are... for someone. I think he's only played three or four games in the centers. Hmm. Are ridiculous. They're, he's blowing everyone else out of the water. If he keeps on this pace, he, he's in for a record-setting oh, season, I'm sure. It's unbelievable. Um, we'll go on to wingers. Who do you have on the wing? Uh, I've actually gone with uh, my first winger. I'll go with... I, I feel like I have to give it to this guy because of his try-scoring try record, but I feel like it's a little bit empty. I've gone with Taylor and May here. Top um, uh, t- seven tries in four games. He's come in for Bizar, and he's been decent um i think it's a bit of a product of him playing for the panthers more than anything he's um but to his credit he's he's done his role and he's scoring tries i want to push back on that a little bit because obviously yeah he's playing in a really good team but he's 20 years old he's making minimal errors i think he's made maybe one or two handling errors all season so far he's finishing tries he's actually also making 146 meters a game as an outside back, like that's that's basically Brian Toto numbers. That's they're basically he's, he's ensured that he's come in for this guy who's a an Australian like an international standard winger, and he's ensured that the Panthers haven't missed a beat. He's only 20 years old. So, he, that, that's I guess that is what I'm saying in a roundabout way. I think the role that Bizar left there for him is part of the reason why his stats are so good. But to his credit, he. Yeah, he hasn't skipped a beat, really. I, He's looking good. It's going to be interesting what happens because the mail out of Penrith is that Ty will be back in round nine. Does and Taylor May then go over to the other wing? 
Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what I was getting at is does Taylor May go over to the other wing where Charlie Staines has been playing and you keep him on that side and Toto comes back to this side or does May go back to reserve grade and Toto comes straight in? It's it's an interesting one. Probably it's a good pretty hard to leave Taylor May out of the side. I would definitely, think. definitely. Um, who's your second winger? Uh, I have also, I, and I know you've picked this guy as well um, because... It's probably you being a little bit of a homer here, but I think he deserves it well, uh, is Ronaldo Mulatalo. He's uh, looked very, very good for the Sharkies and is leading the league in line breaks with 10 by a long way, I think. I think second in line breaks is something like six or seven, and he's on 10, so he's he's crushing it. He's been, yeah, both, look, both Cronulla wingers, I think, have been really good. Uh, What sort of differentiated it for me? I was just trying to see who I could rely on more in defense. And I think I think if it comes to it, I think Ronaldo is just a little bit better of a defender than Katawa. I think in terms of finishing, they're both pretty close to each other. Ronaldo might be a little bit quicker. Um, and I think also with Ronaldo, you do get a bit more versatility, like he has played in the centers at times during the season. But, Katawa has been very good, actually. He's one one player that I didn't really expect much of going into the season, and he's looked quite good. Both those wingers for the Sharkies have looked yeah, oh, very good and, and been finishing a lot of trials. Um, and it's it's hard to sort of get a lot of defensive stats on on wingers because they don't really make a whole lot of tackles. Um, and obviously, when oftentimes when they do, it's like sort of try saving tackles right on the line or in open spaces. Um, they're both. Both really reliable under the high ball. I had a couple of other guys, just as some honourable mentions. I, I wanted to give a shout-out to... I thought I think Ruben Garrick's been pretty good this season. I know he's played fullback the last couple of weeks, but I think he's been really reliable, really safe for, Pen, uh, for Manly. And Daniel Tupo is having quietly a pretty decent season for the Roosters. Yeah, I agree with both those picks. The other, the other third guy that I would probably mention, I actually struggled a little bit picking wingers this year. I, I don't feel like there's been too many real standouts for me. I thought um, Xavier Coates has been pretty good since moving to the Storm. He missed too many to, games for me. That was the only yeah. reason I didn't pick him. Yeah, he, but they seem to know how to use him. Mm. Oh, uh, definitely. Unlike the definitely. Broncos. Yep. So uh, he's obviously hit the ground running pretty well there. Um, who have you got as uh, your centers, George? Just before we go to centers, I just wanted to point, to point out I was really excited about Selwyn Cobbo coming into this season. I still kind of am. Uh, first, I, I don't know whether it was whether you had the same, but that first game he looked absolutely electric. I was so high on him. He looks he looks incredible with the ball, but the guy has made seventeen errors. Yeah, in six games, mm. that's we're almost tracking at three errors a game. That's that's crazy, and it's far more than anyone else around him like I think if we go on the stats here the next closest in terms of wingers or centers is Brent Naden with 10 as if the Paul Broncos and Andrew Bunn need anything else to cry about (laughs) and Katoni Staggs isn't far behind him either but uh, in terms of centers centers was an interesting one because there's been a few guys that have had sort of hot stretches like a couple of weeks here and there but the only bloke that or only two blokes that I reckon have put together a really good sort of five or six games. Uh, my first one was Isaac Tago. I think he's been phenomenal. Um, he's got seven try involvements through six games. He's scored five and he's assisted two. He's made sure the Panthers have not missed a beat since Matt Burton's left that that edge. Um, I know we're four players in and I've got three Panthers so far, but it's it's kind of hard to ignore him. And he's only 20 years old. He is, I've got him as well as he was my first pick in center. He was, for me, is the only 
nailed on pick here. I think there's a few others that I would like to have here, but Tago was a certainty for me. Um, yeah, he he looks so electric with the ball. He looks like he's going to create something every time he has it. And for a player so young as well, he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Something that jumped out to me too defensively was his tackle efficiency stats. He's making, and we've always talked about how centers the most difficult position to defend on the field. For a 20-year-old, he's like his tackle efficiency is 85%, which is really yeah, good for a center. That's, 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 that's high level. Um, Usually you tend, uh, not only in center, are you defending in a tough spot on the field where you've got to make decisions exactly. to jam, jam in or, or stay out, but you're also coming up against some of the most elite players there as well. Like you look at the likes of Katoni Staggs, who's a tackle bust machine, mm. your Talakai's, your Dangagai's. Like you, you're coming up against strong players in the centers. So Absolutely. Yeah, um, he's he's been really impressive. And he's the Panthers just well. keep churning out these superstars. It, it, they, they're they're going to be fine through the origin period this, this year with all these young guys. Mm. My second pick was Jesse Ramian. Um, again, probably a little bit of a homer pick. I is this just the Panther Sharks team for you? <laughs> so far, <laughs> I couldn't. I found it hard to sort of pick the second center because I, I looked at Gag. I was looking up Gagai's stats, and I think Gagai's stats are sort of there's a bit of empty calories about Dan Gagai. He had a really hot start to the season, but he's actually made quite a few errors throughout the season. He's missing quite a lot of tackles, and he's been sort of he's been pantsed a couple of times by opposing centers like he got absolutely done by Sifatalakai a couple of weeks ago mm. he was um, looking very clean the week after that because he got absolutely barfed yeah exactly um even though I've still got Dane in my honorable mentions because I think he has been good especially for in terms of communication in the Knights defense earlier in the season but yeah Jesse Ramin I liked he's got five try involvements across the opening six rounds he's got three assists I think all three of those would be to Sione Katoa which is he's just lethal with that um, inside-out right flick pass. Yeah, um, just drawing the winger and centre in together and flicking he's it just, out. He's just so strong and he just attracts so much attention and he's just setting up tries left and right. Mm. I, 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 thought, I thought long and hard about whether to have Jesse Ramin or Joey Manu, but I, I did end up going with Jesse. And my other honourable mention was I just couldn't ignore him, even though he's only played three games in centre, was Sifa because he's just the number... The course he's charting at the moment, he's going to be... If he keeps going this way, he'll be Dallium Center of the Year. If he, even if he'd played one more game in center, he was probably in my team here, Sifatalika. Yeah, um, he's, I agree. he's been incredible. Uh, I actually did go with Joey Manu as my second center. You mentioned him there. I just think for me, the Roosters haven't given me much this season, but I think Joey Manu has been the one exception to that. He seems to be the one guy that's been consistently having a crack and making inroads there. He's got five tries, three try assists. Four line breaks and four line break assists. Um, he's just looked dangerous. And there's a couple of games there. I can't remember who they were playing, but he almost chucked them on on their back on his back and scored a couple of tries and, and carried him there. Yeah, look, I I, com- I completely agree with you. He's been one of their best, especially. I think we were talking about the Roosters' backline a few weeks ago, not really looking as dangerous as we kind of expected it to. But he's been the exception. He's been pretty good, along with Sam Walker. I think in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. The Roosters are yeah. still for me. I'm just, it's there. I'm not worried about what they do. For the You're next. almost just waiting for them to string a few games together. And I think Trent Robinson's even said as much. He's sort of thinking this next month to two months is the period that he wants everything to start gelling and then they'll kick on from there. So they're, they're fine. I'm not worried about the Roosters. 
Uh, okay, who was your number six? My six is, um, and we actually spoke about this earlier in the week, saying we arguably could have picked the halves, uh, both of the halves for this team. I've gone with uh, Dylan Brown, Brown Cow. Um, I think he's having, a, <laughs> I think he's having a bit of a breakout season. He's got seven wow. try assists already, and he only totaled two last year. So I think there was one game where he got three or four try assists. He almost doubled his tally for the whole last year. He's got a couple of tries as well, um, and he's got a bunch of line break assists and line breaks himself for each there. He just looks great with the ball, and him and Moses are contributing together really well. It feels like they're using him different to last season. Last season, I kind of felt like they were trying to make him into that sort of tempo control half that like has a really good kicking game and just plays the percentages, whereas it feels like they've just taken the shackles off him this this season. They're just saying, just back yourself, run at the line, yeah. engage the line, draw and pass. And he's, he's looking unbelievable. Like his, He looks like Benji Marshall sometimes back in 2005 um, season, the way he's running and stepping through through the line. I've been really impressed with him. I personally couldn't go past Cam Munster just because I think he's the best player in the game at the moment. It would be a bit of a travesty to leave him off. Particularly um, after giving your team a dressing down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I've just written here, like he's got he's, he's got the most tackle busts out of anyone in his position. He's got 22 of those. He's scored a couple of tries and he's up to four tries just now. He's only played the five games. He did miss the one game at the start of the season. But... Um, a little honourable mention, I obviously had Dylan Brown in there as well, but Tom Dearden's been really impressive uh, for the Cowboys so far this year, so I, th- I threw him in there as well. He's been great. I think we mentioned him a few weeks ago uh, after he had a ripper game against the Broncos. He's He's been doing very well for the Cows, and they're obviously exceeding expectations. Possibly um, Chad Townsend probably owes, uh, deserves a bit of credit there as well, um, but Tommy Dearden's been doing very well. Agreed on all points. Who's your halfback? My halfback, this is a little bit uh, left field, probably from what you expect. I noticed you haven't is even put him in the honor- No. <laughs> uh, you haven't even put him in the honourable mentions, and you'll probably pay me out for picking him here. It's uh, DCE, Daily Chelly Evans. Oh, um, this is just a pick straight out of your fantasy team. <laughs> I knew you would say that. For me, uh, he's getting picked here when arguably not being the best, probably like he will for Australia um, when he gets the number, number seven jersey. I just think he's... Wait, um, hang on. Do you reckon he gets a number seven jersey for Australia? He probably holds onto it, doesn't he? It's one of those... I would have thought he goes to Cleary. Well, I mean, that's the talk, but do you think it's harsh to, to take away take it away from DC? Oh, yeah. It's an interesting one. I, I think they'll give it to Cleary, personally. I guess we'll see. Time but tell. I, I won't step on your uh, um, <laughs> Evans anymore. Keep going. Um, he's got 200 more kick meters than any other player in the game. Uh, and for me, his kicking game has just won them games. Um, I think you could say that he almost single-handedly won that game against the Knights for them. And I think it was the Raiders the week before as well. He just absolutely outkicked the other team, um, kicking 40-20s, 20-40s, field goals all over the place. Um, he's just... I feel he's carried that manly team a little bit to be four and two, particularly without having Turbo doing much of substance this season. He's also sneakily on nine Dalian points, um, which isn't far behind those front runners. He stepped up big time since Trebojevic has been out injured. Mm. Like you said, that game against Newcastle, that was one on the back of his kicking. That was that's all it was. It was just it, it literally that game. 
because it was in the balance for a good 60 minutes, but that game was just decided by a guy like Cherry Evans that has more experience than the halves for Newcastle and just knew how to play in the wet. And he just kicked the ball to the corners, made sure his team didn't make silly mistakes, and they just grounded out. And eventually just, I think they put five tries on Newcastle in the end. My halfback, I don't really, personally, I don't think you can pick anyone else. I, w- I would love to have said Nico Hines here, but uh, Mitchell Moses, the guy's averaging two tries this a game. With We talked about preseason how early in the season it was going to be Parramatta are going to have to gut out these games because they're, they're lacking all these outside backs but it hasn't really seemed to matter with the halves that they've got and Mitchell Moses has been phenomenal his, um, his errors are way down, he's only I think he's averaging one error every two games which for a guy that handles the ball as often as he does is excellent he'd be a shoe in for that New South Wales 7 jersey if uh, Nathan Cleary wasn't around uh, I, I tend to agree on all points. I almost feel bad for not putting Mitch Moses in my team and I partly didn't want to do it because I didn't want to put both both the Eels halves in there. He's been incredible. I, I was baffled by how many try assists he had when I saw the stats there. That's <laughs> insane. Do you want to take this opportunity to apologise to both Mitchell Moses and Joel Praga and Jared Barnes? I apologise for <laughs> My honourable mention. So I didn't. I didn't actually have DCE. I, I probably, if you asked me again, I probably would have had him four. Mm. But I've got Jerome Hughes number two and Nico Hines number three. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I will say that some of these players you're mentioning uh, may feature on my bench. Um, I've I've gone the full seventeen, so um, I, I won't elaborate too. Right, much. Stepping on too much. That's fair yeah. enough. Who's uh, Who's your hooker? My hooker. Um, Another one that uh, I don't think you've mentioned here is Api Korosau. Um, mm, mm. I think, for me, he's having one of the most underrated seasons of any player at the moment. Um, and I think he's a big understated reason why the Panthers have had such a good start to the season, particularly without Cleary there. Um, he, I think he tailed off a little bit last year. He wasn't quite as, as dominant at times. Um, as you would expect, but he, he seems to be at his best at the moment. And he's actually touched the ball more than any other player in the NRL. I just think um, that can't be understated, particularly in a Panthers team that's so dominant. I think I like subconsciously penalised him because Mitch Kenny eats into his minutes a lot, even though that's not really a knock on Coruscant himself. But I think just subconsciously, like it just made me think that I rate Cook and Grant higher. Yeah, that, that is fair. And I think that's why he doesn't get the stats that yeah. some of these other hookers do. I was looking at the tackles and, and stuff like that. Damian Cook's um, leading that by a mile, I think. And um, But yeah, I, I was surprised to see he actually gets so many more touches than you would expect, particularly for the minutes that he plays. He's just so dominant when he's on the field. He was a big part in Penrith starting the season 3-0 without Cleary as well. He, he yeah. has been really good. Bit of an oversight there on my part, maybe, but I've I've gone. My big thing, my dilemma with this position was picking between the, who I think are the two best hookers in the game, and it's Damian Cook and Harry Grant. Mm. Um, I, I went with Cook purely due to Cook's durability. He's played every game this season. Obviously, Grant hasn't. And really, if you look at his injury record over the past four or five seasons, I can't really recall Damian Cook getting any big injuries. Um, he's elite in defense. I think I had his tackle efficiency numbers in front of me before, but they were, they were in the high nineties. I think they were. Yeah. High nineties. And I think he's made the most tackles out of anyone in the league. So 
yeah, to have just, the most tackles and an incredible tackle efficiency says uh, a lot. Where are we? Damien Cook, tackle efficiency, 93%. He's made 245 yeah. tackles and he's only missed 10. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's next level. Obviously, there's this difference between tackling in the middle of the field and hooker and tackling in the centers, but still pretty impressive. He, he looks like he's starting to warm into the season, I think, too. He's starting to take the line on a little bit more. I think that Rabbitohs, I actually think that Rabbitohs team is starting to come together pretty nicely. I'm, I've been impressed with the sort of spine in the last two or three weeks. They're on a little bit of a mini resurgence, and I think Damien Cook's been a big part of that. Uh, his service out of dummy half is always reliable. As we said, he's elite in defense, and he's just got an absolute motor. He doesn't stop. Yeah. Uh, and he's one of a couple of bunnies that have that trait. But yeah, my honourable mentions were Harry Grant was a close second. I've also been really impressed with Blake Braley this season. I think he's taken a big step forward. Uh, I think you could argue almost that he's got the best service from dummy half out of anyone in the competition in terms of just pure passing. He might Outside have of his brother. <laughs> I think he's better than Jalen. I think he's better than Jaden Braley. I think um, I, I think he has a bit of a higher ceiling. I think Jaden... I mean, obviously Jaden's injured at the moment. I think Jaden's proved to be a bit more consistent but Blake could be an incredible player I think yeah, definitely. The, trajectory. the attacking upside that break Blake brings that Jaden doesn't have I think plays a big part in that and obviously not really Jaden's fault that he's had two big injuries over the last two seasons that's that's hurt his development a lot mm. but I think as we're sort of watching more of Blake this season you're starting to see he's starting to learn when to run out from dummy half when to change the directions a bit more and He's starting to get a bit more of Damian Cook and Harry Grant and Appy Coruscant in his game, which has been really, really important for the Sharks. But um, moving on, who have you got yeah. in the front row? Give me your first front row. I will, in my eight, I will uh, go with AFB and Fanil Blake. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the other one's going to be no surprise, but I'll start with Fanil Blake. Um, I had him in the honorable mentions. Yeah, he's uh, he's got six Dalian points, which is the highest of any forward in the NRL. Um, is it outside of outside of Isaiah? Uh, oh right, yeah. Uh, so. um, but in terms of front rowers, he's he's the most. Um, he's got four hundred and thirty-five post contact meters, the second uh, in the NRL. He's got over a thousand meters, also the second uh, second amongst forwards. Sorry, so if you take out your inflated. Uh, I guess, kick return meters. Um, uh, and both of those stats, he would be first in if you did it on a per minute basis. Um, he just doesn't quite have the minutes that Tamalolo has. Um, 16 tackle busts, three line breaks. I just think he's been an absolute wrecking ball. You're not wrong. He, he has been very impressive and that's why I had him in the honorable mentions. My first prop that I picked, I, I just can't go past him even though I hate to give the Broncos too much credit on this podcast. Uh, Payne Haas is, is the best front rower in the game. The, the, he is my other one. I just wanted him in the 10 jersey. He has made no handling errors through... I think he's played five games now this season. He yeah, plays big. He, he only missed that one last week because yeah. of his little spat with... Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. Um, Albert Kelly. His, his uh, mate, Albert <laughs> Kelly. He has an incredible motor for a guy his size. He plays big minutes. If you go through the stats, he's elite in every category for a front rower, be it meters, be it tackles, be it tackle bus, be it offloads. He's there. You, you, you just sort from best to worst and he's always in the top three at least, just about. Um, 
I yeah, I can't make an argument for anyone else. He's he's just unbelievable. He's uh, I think he, how old is Payne Haas? He's like twenty four. He's pretty he? young, isn't he? Yeah, early early to mid twenties, I'd say. Um, he yeah, no complaints there. Actually, I think he's um from a partner before he got uh how old? Twenty two, you say? Yeah. Wow. His um, front row partner before he got injured, Carrigan, was also on an absolute tear. He would probably be getting an honourable mention if he wasn't injured now. Um, there seems to be a lot of topsy-turvy in that um, Broncos side, but I don't think the front rowers are those. Random bit of pain house trivia for you. Uh, former Woodbury Warrior Junior. Really? Yeah. He's from there. I think no he was idea. born in Sydney, but I'm pretty sure he lived in Newcastle for a while. If only he stuck around and decided to come through the gym. Maybe that's right. who the Knights will spend the rest of the cap on. Maybe we're, maybe we're in secret talks with Payne Haas. I would not. I would not be <laughs> unhappy to hear that. I heard <laughs> Munster's coming. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So you had Haas as your second front row. So that leaves me with my I did, yes. front row. So I had uh, again. I don't know if. Uh, I guess I'm probably classing him more as a middle. I don't know if he's really played a whole lot of front row in quotation marks, but I had Jason Talmolo. I thought, I think he's had a really good start to the season. He, he looks back to being his old self. I think they found a bit more of a balance in terms of how they're using him. Uh, they're not just using him as the big battering ram to take, you know, first and second hit ups in the set coming out of their own line, uh, out of their own half, I should say, sorry. He, we actually, <laughs> there's, there's one play that just sticks in my mind in particular where I think he set up a try for Tom Gilbert where he just he, he attracted all the defenders in the line and just popped a pass just before the line. It's something that mm-hmm. we haven't really seen in his game before this season. So I was impressed with that. His stats stack up. He, he leads all props in tackle bus. He's making 157 metres a game. His tackle numbers are there. His tackle efficiency is there. I, uh, I'd be pretty happy to have him in my team at the moment. I agree on all fronts. He's, he's made my bench. Very good. Uh, I had just another honourable mention. Obviously, I had AFB, much like you, just in my honourable mentions. And I, a bit of a shout-out to Regan Campbell-Gillard, who's wound the clock back a couple of years, I reckon. He's he's putting in some absolute shifts for this Parramatta team. He was... Um, I know they lost on the weekend, but he was actually having a cracking game on the weekend. I think he went off late injured, which may have actually hurt them. But, yeah, he, he's had a good start to the season and... Put some strong games together. Literally, if we just go purely on average run meters, those four guys take up the first four spots. So you've got Haas. It goes Haas, Tamalolo, AFB, and Campbell Gillard mm. in terms of total run meters per game. Yeah. I, th- I feel like, um, I just want to look it up here, the average minutes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and if you look at the minutes, Payne Haas, just a machine, averages 66 minutes a game. That's huge for yeah. the front row. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how he does it. It's, it's you could crazy. probably leave him on the field. He like he, you wouldn't lose much production in him if you left him on for full eighty. I don't reckon. No, as we said, his motor's insane. But also, like as, with the other guys we spoke about, Tamalolo's averaging fifty eight, which I feel like I don't have the stat in front of me for last year, but I feel like that's more than last year. I think that was it's, an, it's a little bit of an uptick. I actually had a look at this when I was comparing Tamalolo and Fanil Blake because I think Tamalolo averages about a minute or two more than Fanil Blake. You're right. Yeah, um, Fanil Blake's at fifty six. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a little bit of an uptick from last year for Tamalolo, but obviously we've seen previously Tamalolo is arguably an 80 minute player as well. Yeah, totally. And that's kind of what is, I think, uh, Todd Payton's trying to do is just trying not to just use him as this battering ram for 80 minutes. He's trying to be a little bit more efficient in how he uses him. And I think it's been good for the Cowboys this year. 
Uh, okay, we'll go to the back row or the edges, yep. as they're called in fantasy these days. Who have mm-hmm. you got on your edge? Speaking of fantasy, you'll be happy to hear this name. Uh, I've got uh, Bo Therma. I think oh. he's uh, oh. having a great start the season. Um, mm. Or Dave Fafita 2.0, as he should be known. I, was gonna, I almost put him in my honorable mentions, but I thought I'd get accused of being biased towards my fantasy team, so I didn't. No, I've just been really impressed with him. When I've watched him play, he just always looks really dangerous, runs some great lines, just, yeah. Um, I feel like he's outshone. Uh, Dave Fafita's come along in the last couple of weeks and put out some incredible plays, but arguably um, Firma was out outshining him to start the season. He, I think he missed one game with COVID earlier on, but he's got a couple of tries, try assists, which is pretty good from the back row, um, and... Double uh, double digits for tackle bus as well to start the season. That's with all missing a game as well. He has he's definitely been a, a pleasant surprise for the Titans. I don't think they were expecting to be this good. They've and they've got two really top shelf edges going forward mm-hmm. now, and they're both quite young. Um, I obviously I, for feeders, I think is you can easily make the case as the most talented edge in the game. I, I haven't picked him purely because. So many of his plays are sort of, there's so few and far between, which I think has been yeah. covered everywhere in the rugby league media at the moment. I I couldn't go past this guy for mine. I, I had Isaiah Papali. Uh, I, I think he he's the best edge in the game, out and out edge. I think mm. I don't think there's anyone better than this guy. He's, his work rate's unbelievable. He's elite defensively. He's versatile. You can play him in the front row. You can play him on the edge. You can play him at lock. Um, he leads all back rowers in runs over eight meters. So run, you know, it's obviously a good indicator of how you're hitting that advantage line if you're getting over eight meters of carry. He's top mm. five in offloads, and he averages 133 meters a game and 32 tackles for an edge, which is pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal. That's a great little stat there. The leads the back rowers in over eight meter runs. Have you got any any more of the names on oh, that? Because yeah, that's right. you just wait. I'll, I'll pull them up for you. <laughs> I haven't seen that stat before, but it's a great one. Um, you go. Let's have a look here. So runs over eight metres for the back row. <laughs> it's kind of inflated because I feel like Talakai gets the ball in so much space and he's still considered on Fox Sports a back rower and a centre. So if you take him out, it's Papali on 55, runs over eight metres, uh, and Jai Arrow's second with 52. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he's actually had a bit of an underrated season. He's been pretty pretty solid to start the season. Jared. Yeah, he has he has been good. I, I didn't have him as my other edge though. Who who do you have as your other back rower? As my other back rower, I've got Hamoli Moli uh, Olakuatu. For, yeah, I had uh, him in the honourable mentions. He's been good for Manly. He's just an absolute try machine. Um, he just yeah, when he, he figures out when he figures out properly how to defend in a defensive line, he's yeah. he's a representative level player. I think so too. I think when he when he tightens that defense up a little bit, and he is prone to an error here and there as well. I think he just needs to take the in- inconsistencies out of his game, and yeah, he's he's going to be dangerous. Um, I mean, he's still so young. I think he, like, I'm just looking him up now. He's, he's only 23. Yeah, like the series yeah. have got a really good one there. I um, I had you got your other one because I. Uh, well, I had I had Hamoli in my honourable mentions. The only thing, mm. so I, I almost had him locked in for my other edge spot, but that was just a, it was quite competitive in terms of who was going to be there, and I thought his defensive stats didn't quite stack up with some of the other guys. That's I've fair. I've done a bit of a shift around here, so I've put Cam Murray on as my other back rower because I think. Do you mean Glam Murray? 
<laughs> yes, Glenn Murray. Yes. I justified it because this guy and the guy who is the current lock in this team, they're both going to be playing in the same forward pack for New South Wales. So that's how I've justified mm. it to myself. But this guy is just... Cam Murray has taken his game, I feel, to another level this season. I think the captaincy has been the best thing that's happened to him. Obviously, he was great last year as well, but he's making 41 tackles a game. He's going at 91% on those tackles. Uh, for a, a lock slash back rower, he's got five try involvements. Um, he plays big minutes. He's got the quickest play the ball in the game. I think we've talked about that before, just how mm. much of an advantage he gives South Sydney after every hit-up he takes. He's just straight to elbows, knees, straight up playing the ball. Mm. I think this guy has got future New South Wales captain written all over him. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He's just in absolutely everything for the Bunnies. He'll be involved in probably four out of the five tackles defensively. Um, obviously, the kick will go down and you'll probably get your two, two maybe three um, runs from your backs. And then he's there getting his hands on the ball and, and being your first first receiver, ball player style lock as well and he's looking great with the ball popping try assists and line break assists and something like stuff like that as well um so he's... my my only concern is that is he is this pace that he's on at the moment is, he, is there a chance he he burns himself out and he starts picking up injuries early in his I career hope not. Cause he's, i hope not he's, he's in my fantasy team so damn i hope not not. Even, i can't I mean, handle any more injuries <laughs> I'm not even meaning necessarily for this year. I'm just meaning for in terms of his career. In like, terms of longevity, yeah. He's putting a lot of miles on his body, especially early in the season with this just insane work rate that he's got. Um, again, he's probably he's probably built different. It probably doesn't matter. But he, my, my worry is because he's not the biggest forward. Like he's only, I don't think he's t- as tall as I am. I think he's just on six foot. And mm. he, he wouldn't weigh 100 kilo, I don't think. He'd be just under. And he's bashing into some big bodies. Again, Take my hat off to the guy. He's unbelievable with how he does it. And he, every run he makes, he's just at 100% effort. But yeah, my only concern is, are the Rabbitohs going to burn him out if they keep using him like this? Yeah. I, Again, um, great for you in fantasy because he just racks up stats. Yes, it's uh, been an inspired pickup for me. Um, <laughs> I've got no complaints with him being being there in the back row. I kept true to... I tried to keep true to the players positions that they're actually playing in this season. Um, obviously, I would have had Cam Murray in my starting lineup if if I was just purely picking a team to to take out in the park. You can't leave him out. I would say I think he's arguably top five best player this season, arguably top three. I just think it's that the guy that we've got in at lock here has probably been the best player this year so far. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I'll Just before we move on to lock, I'll quickly just run through my honourable mentions. I had Tom Gilbert, who I think has been really impressive for the Cowboys. And I also, I didn't really know where to put this guy. I probably could have put him in as an honorable mention in lock, but I also just threw in Josh Curran. Yeah. I think he's been pretty impressive to start the season as well. All he's right. been great. On to the best player in the game at the moment, just about, other than Cam Munster. Uh, who's your pick for lock of, of the year so far? Both of our picks for lock is Isaiah Yeo, as David Muddle calls him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's, he's probably the main reason the Panthers are 6-0 and to start the season. He's in everything for them. Just uh, unwaveringly consistent. Yeah. Um, he's probably their first receiver more times than not um, when they've got the ball. He, he's great. He's just... The, he, I mean, it's been said before, he, he's really changed how the lock forward position's been 
played in the in the current game. Like he, he's an extra half on the field. He he's just the link up man. He he joins all the play together. He tackles his heart at every game. He aver- he's averaging thirty five tackles and he's going at ninety five percent for those. Like he's, mm. there's nothing this guy doesn't do that is just in his team's best interest. Even look from watching a lot of the Panthers games, and I think it gets back to the whole good teams do tend to get away with more. He he really is smart and he, he knows how to control that speed in the ruck when the Panthers are defending. But, I mean, he's only going to do as much as he can. It's up to the referees to if they're going to penalise him or not. He's smart enough to do it and get away with it. Very Cameron Smith-like in that approach. Uh, yeah, he, he's looking odds-on to jag himself a Dally M this year. The only thing that would stop him doing so would be certain other players in that team pinching boats off him. That's what I was going to say. I think it might be a little bit harder for him to stand out now that uh, Nathan Cleary is back, perhaps taking a bit more of the focus. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the only thing. Um, but, I mean, he's been... That, that first three weeks, like, obviously, Sean O'Sullivan, rightly so, got a bit of credit for playing in, a, in the halves while Cleary was out. But Yo was just in such great form that they, they didn't miss a beat at all. Definitely. I'll, I'll throw out my honourable mentions. i got three of them. I thought Josh King's been really good at the Storm. Yeah, he's had a great start of the season. Um, I've also thrown in a couple of left field ones, maybe you might say. I thought Fanukin, just purely for what he's bringing to the Sharks defensively. Uh, I think he's been a really good signing for them, and he's he's played majority at lock. I think long term, especially now with Hamlin Ueli out, I think he moves to the front row, and McInnes will start playing more at lock. But for the time being, I've got him as an honourable mention at lock, and I actually reckon Kurt Mann has been really good for the Knights. Uh, it probably hasn't shown the last four weeks, but he's def- his defensive stats are really good. He's putting in a lot of tackles. He was very good for us early in the season, particularly when we were winning those couple of games. He was pretty instrumental there. And as we said, like due to what Isaiah Yo sort of transformed the number 13 position into, he's the kind of player you need. Um, I'm just looking up his defensive stats now. He's averaging, he's going at 91% and he's averaging... 31 tackles a game, which is which is pretty stellar. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. You mentioned Dale Fanuk and, and Cam McGuinness. I think Cam McGuinness is blocking this week for, yes, for the Sharks, exactly. or tonight even. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how he goes there. And if he, I mean, it'll be pretty hard to keep Dale Fanuk out of the team. Um, but he might get shifted out of lock if that's the case. Well, yeah, it, it all depends what they would go for up front. But um Run me through your bench before we go into the preview of uh, this weekend's games. I've actually, three out of these four players have actually made your starting lineup. So I've got Cam Murray in the mm-hmm. 15, Papalihi in the 16, Tamalolo in the 17, and your favourite player, Nico Hines, in the 14. Um, if I was picking a, uh, <laughs> I can see your eyes lit up there. You're very, very <laughs> surprised to see that. Um, genuinely speaking, if I were picking a 14, Right now, it would be hard for me to not pick Nico Hines. He offers he's, great he's been, Yeah, he's been great to start the season, and he's so versatile. He can play at fullback. He can play in the halves. You could chuck him anywhere in the back line probably, and he'd do, do a fine job. Um, and he's a big reason why the Sharkies have looked pretty strong to start the season. He's captain this week too. I did say that. Yeah. All right, we might take a up, break. Doesn't it? Yeah, we might take a break, and we'll come back and uh, do the do the previews. Okay, coming back, we're on to round seven. Jeez, these rounds are flying by. 
Uh, we've got tonight's game, which kicks off in about 20 minutes. Uh, we've got the Sharks and the Seagulls. Sharks are $1.42, Seagulls $2.90. Line favours Cronulla 7.5 and the total points is 38.5. Uh, Hines, captain, as we briefly mentioned before the break. And Britton Nakora comes back for the Sharks. No Dale Finucan or Hamlin Ueli. I think Hamlin Ueli is actually out for quite a while. I think it's a, a, a three-month injury. I think they're worried about his peck. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, through the week he had surgery as well. Uh, in terms of Manly team news, Morgan Harper is back. What are your early thoughts on this one, Stu? Um, to be honest, I like the Sharkies for a bounce back here. I think they were quite good in in that loss to the Storm last week. And I think the scoreline didn't really reflect uh, that game for me. Um, we actually spoke about it during, might have been during the game or at least during the week. Um, you said Nakora's back this week. I actually think that's a bit of an underrated um, in for the Sharkies. He's been I good. Think he's, been, mm. he's been good. He, um, he almost got an honourable mention for me in my um, team of the season so far. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a bench spot or, or something like that. Both him and Teague Wilton, I yeah. think, have started the season really well. And Nakora in particular. Um, you saw, and you mentioned it earlier, Cam McGuinness was a little bit slow playing on that edge last <laughs> week. So I think... Um, God bless. I think having Nakora back in there will be a big in for the Sharkies, and I think I think they'll just be too good for the for the Manly side. I still think Manly have got a bit of staying power. Any team that's got Daily Cherry Evans in it is it's hard to play them off the park. He's kicking games so good, so I think he'll keep them in it. But I like the Sharkies one to twelve here personally. You took the words right out of my mouth. I like the Sharks in a close one. I think Cronulla do need to be careful. Uh, I think as we sort of touched on, it was a bit of an honourable defeat against Melbourne, even though they lost by 16 points. It was it was closer, as we said, than the scoreline suggested. But if they were to come out now on a quick turnaround and get done at home by Manly, that would all of a sudden be a bit concerning for Craig Fitzgibbon. So this is, this is an important one for the Sharks, especially down on a couple of troops. But you would, ex- still, you would still expect to beat Manly without Trebojevic at home. Mm. I actually... Um, so my bet this week, I've actually just chucked a unit. I've gone the Sharkies 1-12... And I've done the Cardinal sin and gone against our, um, our, uh, I guess, takeaways from the week. And I've gone the over here. It's only 38 and a half. It feels a bit low for me. I think there's definitely, you could definitely convince me that it's going to be a bit of a grind fest and, and it'll be like a 16-12 kind of result. But I think both team, both these teams have got some points in them, oh, particularly definitely. the Sharkies. Yeah. I think they looked really good offensively against the Storm last week. I think that over bet on the points is a, a pretty good shout. So naturally, there will be about 30 points scored in this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tomorrow night, Friday, 7.55pm, we've got the Broncos and the Bulldogs. Uh, Broncos $1.28, Bulldogs $3.75. The line is 10 towards the Broncos and the total again, 38.5. This is load up on the Broncos time if ever you've seen it because the Bulldogs have been smacked hard by COVID. Absolutely, they have. I personally, I've put this one as a stay away from me just because I can't trust these teams and I particularly can't trust these teams with all these personnel changes. You've got, uh, is it Tamari? How do you say his first name? Tamari Martin, yep. Tamari Martin coming back in at fullback after a couple of years off um, who retired early and now has come back and starting fullback it's for the Broncos. great to see him back. It is great to see him back. I've picked him up in fantasy, so I'd love to see him have a good game. Um <laughs> 
Tyson Gamble comes in at six. Uh, Corey Pakes has come into the nine. Um, so there's a bit of a shuffle in the Broncos team, and the and the Bulldogs have been absolutely smacked by COVID. Yeah. So, so the the report was that Jay Cavarillo, Avis Semen, a guy, Reese Hoffman, and Brent Naden are all to have tested positive. That's all that we know so far at the time of recording. Uh, I think. I mean, it all depends what Broncos we get. I know it's hard to gauge, but they've been really impressive the last two weeks against good sides and they just haven't been able to finish the job. The Bulldogs aren't going to offer anywhere near as much in terms of attack than the other teams that they've faced over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they've versed the Panthers and the Roosters, right? I think it's pretty safe to say if they perform how they have in the last fortnight against the Dogs, they can put a score on them. So I've, I've actually taken the line here. I've just taken the Broncos at 10. Yeah, while I'm while I'm saying I'm going to stay away, I don't think you'll get uh, only a ten point line against the Bulldogs very often. Yeah, um, if the Broncos are the team that they want to be, or they claim to be, this is the this is the game that they need to show it. They need to win this game. I'm All just right. waiting for Katoni Stags to burst out and score a hat trick. <laughs> he, he's well capable of it. <laughs> We've seen in the last couple of weeks. He's looked very very good. I'm hoping uh, it looks like Herbie Farn- Farnsworth is uh, back this week as well. So I'm, I'm hoping to see him get across the, the white stripe as well. He is back. Uh, we move on to Saturday, 5.30. Cowboys and Titans. Cowboys $1.80. Titans $2.02. This is a tight one. The line's one and a half towards the Cowboys and the total is 41 and a half. Uh, both teams... I think are listed pretty well, one to seventeen, as last week. The um, the hammer is listed amongst the Cowboys reserves, but I don't think they'll rush him back, especially considering Scott Drinkwater has been pretty decent filling in. Same with the Titans; they've named the same seventeen as last week. But Jaden Campbell is listed in the reserves, and I think he would still be a week away. This is a pretty tricky one to bet because they're two teams that we sort of expected to be down the lower end of the ladder at the start of the season. Both have, in some way, or especially the Cowboys, have overachieved. The Titans have shown glimpses in games, but just haven't been able to finish off the job. What are your What are your thoughts here? Yeah, um, I never thought I'd say it, but I think I trust the Cowboys a little bit more out of these two teams. I just, um, yeah, uh, going into the season, I thought the Cowboys were going to be, a, yeah, they, they were going to be nothing, and they've been actually fairly impressive in the last month or so. Um, I'm taking them on the line here. Uh, it's just a point and a half. So on Neds, you can get the, the $2 line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that little bit of value there on the Cowboys, particularly at home. God help um, us if the Cowboys win by a field goal. I, I think, was it uh, <laughs> was the last week, the week before? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, I took the one, to point, one and a half points and it was a <laughs> one point victory. So, yep. Oh, I got burnt there, but um, yeah, I, I'm still not sure what to expect from this Titans team. They just seem to be very inconsistent, and not not just consistent week to week, inconsistent in games. In in yeah. games, yeah, yeah, you'll get one really really good half and one really really bad half, um, or even thirty minutes here, thirty minutes there. Like it's it's just hard to know. I am. I'm betting this one. I'm not betting with a huge amount of confidence, but I am betting this one. And I've, I've joined you. I've taken the line. I've also taken the over in points. I think I like what I saw from the Cowboys in terms of character-wise, what they did against Canberra last week, being down 12-0, coming back to win that game. But I think there's going to be points in this one. The Titans have shown that they can score points, but they've also shown that they can see a lot of points. So 
I think that that total is is a real chance to hit. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I just trust the Cowboys a little bit more, but it's it's almost a coin flip for me, this one. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Uh, we move on to Saturday night, 7.30. The rejuvenated 1-5 and five Tigers against the Rabbitohs. Tigers are $3.90, Rabbitohs $1.26. Line is 11.5, favoured to the Rabbits. And the total, again, is 41.5. Both teams unchanged from last week. Uh, oh, this is this screams stay away. Yeah, absolutely. I'm staying well clear of this one. I don't think there's nearly enough value there for a rabbit's bet. Dollar twenty six. You could probably tease something out by taking an alternate line or something like that. But do you? How much weight do you put in the Tigers last week? Do you do you trust them? I think if we've learned anything from bad teams over the years, it's that it's backing up and having that level of performance week after week. So I, as much as I've just said, stay away. I've actually, exactly what you've just said, I've sort of teased this out a bit and I've, th- I've, I've got this involved in a multi and I've just taken South minus five and a half. So I think South win this game. I think they can win at least by a converted try. Yeah, I was going to say, less than a converted try. Especially the with the, pretty good. Especially the goal-kicking form that Blake Taft's in. He's just slotting them from everywhere. So if they're winning by a try, it's going to be converted. Mm. So I... Yeah, definitely. I like the Rabbitohs. I think we can still probably expect a better performance from the Tigers. I don't think they're going to get blown totally off the park here, but yeah, I'd expect the Rabbitohs. I mean, especially, like I said before, the Rabbitohs are playing sneaky good football at the moment. And Lachlan Ilias is starting to starting to go all right, I think. Sunday Arvo in Newey. Eels and Knights at 2pm. Eels are $1.36. Knights $3.10. The line is 7.5 favoured to the Eels and the total is 39.5. I'll throw to you here, Stu. What do you think? Uh, I think I'm uh, eyeing off going to this game, actually. Might, uh, if I wasn't like an afternoon shift, I'd love to join you. Yeah, I might go go along with Jolie and either give him heaps or, <laughs> or suffer when the Knights inevitably lose. Um, it'd be interesting to see how KP plays now that uh, he's had his contract negotiations wrapped up. Um, but... I'm actually going with a reverse jinx here. I think the Eels just have to bounce back after that devastating Tigers loss. If they if they lose back-to-back games to the Tigers and the Knights, then what are the Eels doing, really? Well, we're moving them back to middleweights or lightweights in the uh, tiers list. Absolutely. The They'll be getting shuffled well down the board. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking about this game? Well, a bit of team news first. So Adam Clune's back for the Knights. I think that's, that's an important inclusion. Um, he missed last week, and... I think you'd argue if they had Clune last week, they might have done the Dragons. Uh, Junior Paulo's back for the Eels. Penasini moves into the centres. Near Corey's out injured. And Hayes Perham, who I can't claim to know a lot about, moves onto the wing. Big thing for the Knights is if they can bring back some positivity around the around the place. The signing of Ponga through the week, I think, will add to that. I think there, there'll be some good vibes around. It's just whether they can then translate that onto the field. You always fancy the Knights at home on a Sunday Arvo with $3.10 odds. That's that's pretty juicy. That is juicy. Hopefully it's uh, a dry pitch. They don't seem to play very good wet weather footy. If they can have a bit of sunshine on, on Sunday afternoon, it might be well primed for them to get an upset there. I think I think the Eels win this game, but I think the Knights are in the contest for a long way. So I, I think you could talk me into that line. I haven't bet on the line itself, but what I've done is I've I've gone with a vibes multi here. I've gone... Ooh, I like a vibes, Malty. A Kalen Pong a try, just to cap off his week. 
a try worth all $5 million that the Knights gave him. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I've gone the under in the total, so under 39.5. So I, I'm expecting this to be a tight defensive game. And I think that's purely because the Knights know that they've just got to get into that grind of the Eels if they're going to hang with them. That's, what I've, that's how I've uh, played that in my head. What do you think? I have a, I've taken a full-fledged emotional uh, <laughs> hedge here and taken the Eels on the line, two units at $2 on the, what, it was seven and a half line? It was seven and a half, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be more than happy to eat my words if they lose. Look, uh, the reverse drinks didn't work last week that TJ tried, so hopefully you have some more success. Look, if any anything to get the Knights a win. <laughs> they do need one. They really they need do. one. Uh, Sunday Arvo at four. We've got the Panthers and the Raiders. Panthers heavy favourites here. Dollar eight. Dollar oh eight, I should say. Raiders are all the way out to seven dollars and seventy five cents. The line is twenty and the total points is forty and a half. Panthers named the exact same team as last week. Uh, Raiders have done a bit of shuffling around. They've moved uh CNK to the bench, Jordan Rapana to fullback, and your boy Xavier Savage comes onto the wing. Uh, young Harry Rushton, Englishman, is added to the bench for his debut. Uh, expect to see him get some minutes in the front slash back row. I just my little note from this is surely that's those odds. I know the Raiders were bad last week, but they're not that bad, are they? We haven't seen odds like this since we saw the uh, Eels Tigers odds last week. And if we learn anything from that, it's don't bet that line. That line's too high. <laughs> you, uh, this is a, this is the kind of game where you're tempted to take that twenty points and run. Um, but I'll tell you what, like in saying that, I'm not the kind of person that would want to be watching that game with the yeah. Raiders twenty point head start and watching the Panthers absolutely <laughs> mow it down. If there's one team that you don't want to bet against in any form at the moment, it's the Panthers. Absolutely. And we've already said on the podcast multiple times that we don't trust the Raiders. We don't. We definitely don't. They're still on the list and they're going to be on the list for quite a while. But it's just that $7.75, considering like what we know the Raiders are capable of. If you're, if you, you know, if you're really chasing your losses somewhere, you've got to have a swing. I mean, am I hearing you talk yourself into this? No, I'm not. I've, I've gone nowhere <laughs> near it. I've gone nowhere okay, near good. it. This is, I'm just saying if, if you're, if you're at the end of your tether, and you've got, to, you've got to chase down some money, you could do worse. Hold on to it and listen to my take in the next game would be my advice. <laughs> the Panthers have to lose eventually. They're not going to go through the season undefeated. No, um, I just don't think not. it's going to be the Raiders while playing in Penrith. We didn't think it'd be the Tigers last week either. You're right. Okay, Monday, Anzac Day footy. Unfortunately, working another afternoon shift on this one, so I won't be able to watch. But uh, young Andrew Budden will be down there at the SCG. Uh, we've got the Dragons and the Roosters. Dragons are $4.10. That screams juicy to me straight away. Roosters are $1.24. The line is favoured to the Roosters at 12 and a half and another points total of 38 and a half. Dragons name the same team as last week and the Roosters' only change is Paul Momorowski in for Kevin Nagama, who goes back to reserve grade. I really like that line for the Dragons. I like the Dragons in this game, full stop. Um... As I just said, if you if you want to get some juicy odds, I think this is your game. For me, the Dragons, and I don't know how much of this is inflated because they just beat the Knights, but for me, the Dragons have a top eight side on paper. Yeah, we've talked um, about that, haven't we? Yeah, I just think they just need if they can click, they're they're pretty dangerous. They've got some very very good 
players in that side. Um, and I've picked one of those players to score me a try this week. Um, so I've actually, this is my roughie of the week, I've taken the Dragons just to win outright and uh, Zach Lomax to score a try, paying $11.02. So if we go through the Dragons fixtures so far this year, they've actually had a pretty tough run. Mm. So they obviously they beat the Warriors in round one. Since then, they've played Panthers, Cronulla, Eels, Rabbitohs. So that was four losses on the bounce. And obviously, they got thumped in the Sharks and the Eels game. They then come out and beat the Knights, who I think Newcastle are probably the hardest team to read in the competition at the moment. But we haven't really seen the Roosters putting teams away. Like, they, they had the perfect rub of the green last week against the Warriors, and they still didn't really put them away. They won, but they didn't put a score on them. If you're giving me a Dragons team that, like we said, we kind of think that they've got a decent roster. If you're giving me basically two converted tries and $2 odds, that's I'm taking that. Especially on Anzac Day, you know they're going to be up for it. This isn't mm. just a regular fixture. These these games tend to... I know there has been blowouts in them in the past, but they tend to be close at least for the first you know half, at least maybe 60 minutes. Uh, so I expect this game to be in the balance somewhere around the 50 or 60 minute mark. And if you've got a game in the balance around that mark and you're betting on the line, you're, you're cheering. Yeah, I, I agree. I Do you like how I talked myself up. into that? That uh, Look, you didn't need to talk me into it because I was already straight on the Dragons. Um, that 12 and a half point line is too big for me. I yep. can't trust the Roosters yet this year for me. I don't think, I think Sammy Walker's starting to show signs. Um, they've obviously got a lot of great players in that side that um, can run away with games, but they're just not—they're not there for me yet. Like they, they haven't convinced me. Show me something, Dragons! Kickstart your season. Let's go. Absolutely. I am even considering making that the lock. It's either that or the Broncos for mine. I don't mind the the line there as as a lock. What uh, what kind of odds can we get if we take that line out a little bit? Oh, okay. Uh, let me boot up the uh, the. If we, if we want an absolute lock, if we want a little bit more certainty. So what would you want to bring it into? Or take it out to, sorry. Do you take want to take it out, out to three? Okay, so if you want to take it out to three converted tries, you can, it's a dollar forty-five. What's that, eight, it, and eight, eight and a half? Eight and a half. You can take it to 16 and a half. That's a dollar fifty-seven. 14 and a half is a dollar seventy. I even like the 14 and a half. Mm. Um, I mean, I know it's not, it doesn't That's fit well into your into your um, converted tries kind of thinking, but just a few extra points. 14 and a half is huge for me. Um, Anzac Day, lots to play for. Just come off a good win for for the yep. team. Um, looking to turn their season around. Getting 14 and a half points for me, that, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good bet. Can't wait to come back next week after the Dragons get absolutely done. <laughs> All right, last game of the week, and then we're going to go and watch uh, the Sharkies play. Monday, 7 p.m., we've got down at Amy Park, Storm and the Warriors. Uh, Storm are $1.10, Warriors are $7.25. The line for this one is 19.5, and the total points is 40.5. The Bromwich boys are both back for the Storm, and uh, Matt Lodge has been named to start with Jazz Tavunga named amongst the reserves after his suspension. He will likely come onto the end of the bench, I think. Uh, I don't think they'll win this, but I think there's a good chance of Warriors cover at least. I like your thinking. I 
the Warriors have been really good to me this year in terms of my betting. They're probably the only team I've actually been able to trust. And um, nearly every week I just take them on the line and they seem to always either win or keep it close. Um, this is a big line, 19 and a half for me. I, it's, always, it's always tough betting against the Storm, particularly in Melbourne. They're definitely a side that can blow out results. We saw it against the Sharkies last week that where... Uh, what what did the score end up? It was, it was 30, thirty four to thirty four to eighteen. Yeah, and for me that game was probably a there should have only been a try, maybe two in it, and it's and it's blown out a little bit. So that that's always the risk here, I think. But I do like the the Kiwis to cover. Yeah, me too. So I'll I'm going to run through my bets for the week real quickly, and then we'll go. Um, I've got the Sharks one to twelve. I've got the Broncos laying ten points to the Dogs. I've got my same game multi of the Kalen Ponga try and under 39.5 for the Knights game. I was even considering adding an extra leg into that because you get the three-leg multi if one the leg three fails. in the money back. back. Um, mm. if, I, if I was going to add another leg, what do you think? What, what have you got in there? Sorry? I've got a Kalen Ponga try and under 39.5. I suppose I'll have to throw in another try score. Do you just time. chuck... Or I could... Uh, do you can you tease that? Uh, can you take the alternate line in those multis? I don't know that you can. If you could tease a line, a good line out for yeah, the Knights, there it might be. Not, might be worthy. Uh, anyway, um, and then I've got a three leg multi. I've got the South. I've got South Sydney minus five and a half against the Tigers. I've taken the Dragons to cover at twelve and a half, and the Warriors to cover at nineteen and a half. I've put a couple of units on that, and I've put two units on the Cowboys minus one and a half, and the over in points forty one and a half. So my net position at the moment, after the first six weeks of the season, I'm 42.52 units. So time to get back we're, in the black. I think we're sitting about the same spot. Um, my bets for this week, I've taken, uh, I've put one unit on the Sharks to beat Manly 1-12 to and over 38.5 points in the game. That's paying $6.12. Uh, I also like the Cowboys one-half line. Uh, so I've taken two units on that at $2. Uh, I think the Eels will bounce back against the Knights and I've taken them with the line as well. They're giving seven and a half points. Um, I've put two units on that at $2. Uh, my Raffi of the week is the Dragons to get the chocolates against the Roosters. Um, straight up win and... Zach Lomax to bag a try. That's paying $11.02. I've just chucked a unit on that. And to wrap it up on Monday, I have the Warriors to cover 19.5 points, two units at $2. What's uh, Have you got my net position there as well, George? Yeah, I do. Your net position at the moment is 39.96. So we're both, uh, we're both not doing so great at the moment. That's all right. We've got, plenty of, we've got a long way to go. It's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Absolutely. A little bit of ground to make up, but I've taken some good odds this week, so it's uh, the week to do it. Exactly. All right, Stu, uh, enjoy your footy, and I'll, uh, I'll catch you next week.